0: This is the first time in the book of Romans, and it's actually a word that Paul uses exclusively in the Bible, is reconciliation. Reconciliation. I think the great way to understand this word is through the idea of adoption. The idea of adoption comes up a few times in scripture, and I want to share these scriptures with you to set this up. This is in 2 Corinthians, verse 18. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let me read that one more time. Try and capture the weight of this for you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We'll move on to John, the first chapter, 12th verse. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Children of God. And one more here, from verses from Romans. We'll get to this more explicitly in a few weeks. But for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I, I have a a very personal experience with this idea. Um, my, my mother, she's here, sorry I'm going to tell this, all this. My, um, my mother actually uh, divorced when I was very young. A very, very hard situation that she was in. And I remember none of it. I was, baby age. And then, not long after, within a few years, um, the person that you know as my dad, Michael, um, was married. And we grew up as as an amazing family. And it wasn't until probably college or later that it dawned on me that I had never once felt like he wasn't my dad. Like, like as if he wasn't the one from the very beginning. I never once in my life have ever felt that I was less of a child than my sister, my half-sister. Even that was a weird thought one day to realize that she's my half-sister. It wasn't until seriously, about college or after, that this all began, the depth of it began to sink into me. That how amazing it has been that that he has accepted me and has loved me, has shown me such, such fullness of love, equal to that of, of my sister. It's a gift for me that I, that now sustains me. It's a gift for me also because I can see these scriptures in a way that is so palpable and powerful in a way that now as you, as you grow up and knowing that, that someone loves you as such, but also that they have chosen to love you as such, this is God's will for us. This is God's hope for us that you have exemplified in my life. Thank you. That he has exemplified in my life. And I don't know, I don't know a better way in my life to understand God's love now than to see it as as if God had adopted you. God has adopted you. You've seen it in scriptures, that you have been given the name daughter and son of God. You have been given the name daughter and son of God to the point that now there is nothing that your God, your father will do. There's nothing that he will not do in order to love you completely. When he saw you in great need, when he saw that your direction was into pain and hard life, and death, what did he do? As the one fully loving you, he put himself in the position. He came between you and death. He put himself on the line because that's what a father does that completely loves the son. There's nothing that they won't do to ensure the goodness of life for that child. This is your reality. This is the grace that reigns in love. Keller says, uh, to be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, that's, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we want more than anything to be truly known, to be fully loved. At the end of, towards the end of of Karl Barth's life, Karl Barth was this prolific Bible scholar. He wrote so much. I like to read stuff that people write about the Bible, but Karl Barth wrote more, quite frankly, than I ever want to read. That's how much he wrote. Tomes upon tomes of, of writing and thinking, and it's deep. It's the type of writing that you need to read about five times to get through one page, okay? But all of his peers adored him. And he was at, towards the end of his life, he he actually, I would think he was at Princeton Seminary. He's he's from Germany. He was at Princeton Seminary. And someone asked him, uh, what would you describe as the foundational element of, of the Christian faith? What would you describe as the foundational element of the Christian faith? And he said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I don't think the people were ready for such a profound and deep response. Sometimes the most simple answer is the hardest to admit, and is it goes the deepest into who we are. Accepting that I am a son or a daughter of Jesus, of God the Father, accepting that I am the child of God, and accepting that as, as the good Father, that that love has been fully poured out, has been flooded upon me. I can admit this, that Jesus loves me. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Because the faithful leaders of the Christian faith around Jesus heard him say this, saw him do it, and they wrote it down for us to now see and study and believe. Grace that reigns in love. We're going to come tomorrow evening around the manger, and then it's going to be Christmas. And we're going to be doing something for you as, as a leadership of the church. We want to use the 12 days of Christmas... As a church-wide spiritual discipline, to let the idea that Jesus loves me enter, enter into our thoughts in our in our prayer life, and in our daily rhythms, each of those 12 days of Christmas. So day one is Christmas and it goes to January 5th. I think that's the 12th day of Christmas. And we're gonna be sending out either an email, or if you're more of a Facebook or Instagram person, or if you're on our WhatsApp group. We'll be sending out each day either a thought or a song or a scripture. And it will be at the aim of simply keeping the idea that Jesus loves me right in front of me. Because it's such a trivial idea. It's such a trivial idea. It seems so simple. But because it's so simple, we can get duped into thinking that it's not something to concentrate on. Because it's so simple, we can put it aside as child's play. But really, this is I mean, that Jesus loves me is, is a most profound thing that we can concentrate on and it can change us. So for twelve days, we're gonna see what happens in our lives as we daily get a reminder to focus on this idea that truly Jesus loves me. So if if by like day nine you're like, oh my gosh, I got another email, don't worry, it's only twelve days. But hopefully you'll be on day nine. Oh, I'm loving this, keep them coming. Let me pray for us. Oh, our Heavenly Father, the one who has adopted each one of us into your family, Lord, we give you, we give you thanks. There's nothing that we can do in, to show you or to earn this because you have adopted us before we could even ask. As babes, you adopt us into your family and, and have given us a love that has flooded us. Lord, I ask that in these 12 days of Christmas to come, that you would help this this truth that you love me, help this truth to linger and dwell with us richly so that after these these few weeks, we would be able to have a deeper appreciation and, and a stronger foundation for our life and who we are and who you are. I ask this in your name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.